What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, everybody? Welcome back. This is episode number 244 of In Liberty and Health. And today we're going to talk a little bit more about the Republican Party. I kind of started that a little bit, didn't I? I'm the Republican Party, uh, the Trump speech, and much, much more. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Uh, a guest that has been on a couple times before and will be on again is with me today. So make sure you go to all the links in the description below to find me, what I got going on, and all that good stuff. And uh, let's do this. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty, physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Okay? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Welcome back, Cynthia. How are you? I'm doing great. You? Absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that your day is going a little bit better. I know um, sometimes, you know, I think we all have those days where it doesn't seem like anything can go right. Um, I, I think I've one of those days last week where it just seemed like everything that you did, it was just like, oh, here's another roadblock. Here's a roadblock. Here's a roadblock. And uh, yeah, it's just it's it's very, very frustrating. So. No, I agree. But, you know, the one thing that I always keep in mind is perspective. Like, at least we are here right now and we're mm -hmm. alive to tell the tale. So, you know, it, it, it can, everything, everything can always be worse. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I posted a picture on my Facebook of me and uh, my wife got a picture. The the three dogs that we have were sitting over on the couch with me. And uh, I was like, this is kind of like emblematic of like a good Sunday with me. My my mini pin is like snuggled up beside my leg. And then my pit bull is, you know, cuddling a pillow. And then the other one's kind of like sprawled out on his end of the couch. I'm like, this, this is good. I'm happy. And then yeah, I go to work on Monday. I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> let's, let's start all over again. But no, it's 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 been a pretty good week. So um 
I'm guessing you've probably been insanely busy lately between all the debates and everything else. And then, um, you know, you obviously do some work for some uh, other people. So, uh, yeah, what's been uh, going on? Yeah, so a lot's been going on personally and professionally. I cannot complain. You know, I'm better than I deserve, as Dave Ramsey would put it. Um, so basically, along with my day job, like outside of that, I volunteer as the president and chairwoman of San Diego Young Republicans. I'm based here in San Diego, California. And then recently, the California Republican Party convention happened this past weekend. So I came back from that and I was very blessed to get appointed to be part of the statewide board for young Republicans in California. So I'm now the California Young Republican Federation press secretary um, along with that. So, you know, I'm doing both. I'm president of San Diego Young Republicans till December 2024. And then this statewide California Young Republican Federation press secretary positions from September 2023 till September 2025. So I'll be doing both for, for a short time. So, yeah, other than that, you know, living the dream. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, a lot of people don't really know how much like the political stuff is quite a grind. And like, um, at least in my short time in the Libertarian Party, and I have to imagine it's probably a lot more packed than the Republican Party, um, that it seemed like people just kind of like fell into positions and they said like, Hey, can you do this? But um, the impression I'm getting from you and you can correct me if I'm mistaken here that uh, it seems like you really wanted these positions and like, you know, you're, you're kind of a go-getter. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for that observation and the compliment, but yeah, that's a pretty fair assessment. I'm definitely someone that, you know, just, I don't take no for an answer, but you know, also I'm very, I'm very hardworking and, you know, Basically, you know, a little bit about my story, I got involved in politics just three years ago. So I'm a huge believer in that, like, if you're someone to not grow up political, do not care at all, but you just care about your community, you care about making things better for your country, and your region, you can step up to the plate. And you know, the best thing is on the Republican Party, you know, like what people don't realize is that there's a lot of opportunities available. And, you know, obviously, of course, there's always barriers and there's misconceptions. But, you know, the biggest thing or lesson that I hope people to walk away from is that, you know, you don't let any of that stop you. You know, you can you can be the difference and be the change you wish to see in the world. Um, and if you work hard and if you care, you know, people notice that and they'll open doors for you. And so I would not be here if I am. I would not be here without the people people that have supported me along the way. So I hope to be able to have opportunities where I could do the same for other people, especially if you are a young Republican. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I kind of know the feeling and I guess the only thing I could relate it to would be like podcasting and the fact that I've kind of seen the connections that I've made and noticed that like some great friendships has kind of sprouted out through connections that I've made. And I'm sure all, obviously in the political sphere, and I think you just went to a uh, recent event over the weekend, um, kind of making those friendships and maybe even being recognized because of your work. Um, it's always a really, really neat thing. And it always kind of feels good to be, you know, in the know with other people that kind of have similar values to you or like you guys are all at a certain event for the same purpose. Absolutely. And, you know, I know being a conservative, especially in California can feel very daunting, but the reality is there's a lot more of, of what 
there's a lot more people out there than you think that believe and think like you. You just have to put yourself out there. Um, but if you choose to get involved in the political process, whether that's as a volunteer, whether as an operative or, you know, a grassroots leader or running for office someday, um, you know, you just have to take the first step. Um, but I have not regretted. There's been a lot of, you know, things and a lot of mishaps and lots of stress and lots of other different things. But, you know, on top of that, too, so many fruits and rewards that I've gotten. So I don't regret, you know, stepping into my calling in politics and government. And so, like I said, I want to be able to be the pathway and help open doors for, for other people if they feel feel called to do the same. Um, but yeah, friendships, you know, having making lifelong friendships is something that is invaluable. You know, I talk with my friends in politics a lot more than like other people, you know, outside of politics, and there's nothing wrong about that. And there's nothing necessarily different. But there's it's just, you know, when you have something in common, especially something that's a huge core value, if you care deeply about how you vote and how you view the world, it's very normal to engage with people and have, you know, very intensive and dialogues in regards to politics or something passionate, whether that's religion. So politics is just one of those topics. So, you know, it's been very interesting. I almost feel closer to like the friends I've made in politics in the short three years than some people I've known a, little, a lot longer, just simply because of the fact that we vote very similar. Yeah, that's really, really interesting. And I, I find those conversations about political stuff to be very, very um, engaging, even actually, I would say, especially with people I disagree with. But um, when I, every time I've gone to like a bigger political event, I always enjoyed the company and, you know, the business stuff can kind of be lame, but at the same time, it's also kind of nice to like afterwards, you guys can all just go hang out. And I don't know, I, I'm, I'd never want to say I was like an extroverted person, but um, I do well in large crowds and I also do well around a lot of people and I do find by myself too, but um, I don't know, just go to like bigger events where you know you're going to be around like-minded people is really, really cool. And um, I think we touched on this a little bit before, perhaps maybe the first or second time you were on, but it's um, kind of cool for people who may feel a little bit more alone, especially in a state like California, where you may not know a lot of other, you know, right-leaning conservative people to be able to get around other people in the same kind of headspace. And, you know, in my opinion, when you're dating somebody or you're looking to marry somebody, um, having political values that are aligned, um, especially in today's day and age, is very, very important because um, I think we're now kind of at the point where each side feels like they constantly need to just struggle the government back and forth between one another to, you know, kind of force a will into other people. And I think that, you know, for the time being, while the government's as big as it is, it's probably better to have somebody that agrees with you on most things politically, or at least is malleable and open to your opinions than not. I agree with you 100%. I know we've spoken about this very in intensively in our first dialogue we had on the podcast. But you're, you know, Ben Shapiro dropped, you know, really good, you know, nugget when he spoke at the university, you could Google it on YouTube. But he was sharing how basically you need to figure out when you're dating someone, first of all, are, are you int being intentional? Is this for marriage? Or are you just, you know, doing it for fun? If it's for marriage, you know, the biggest thing that you're going to have in common is your core values, and how you vote and how you view the world. It it's in alignment with your values. Um, you know, when I was younger, I didn't correlate my values with my politics, hence why I'm not a lifelong Republican. But when you educate yourself and you really solidify your value system, it's extremely important. I mean, I make the joke that, you know, 
it's okay to agree to disagree. Um, but I think there's always like that part of you, you know, whether it's, you know, whether it's interest, like whether you like Star Wars or sports or even something more like deeper, like your religion, we really do value fellowship. And we really value people that think like us and are very similar to us. It's, it's perfectly okay. I mean, Obviously, you should be agreeing and disagree, but I also think it's perfectly okay to want to be around people that think and, and talk like you. It can get really annoying to like always butting heads with people all the time and always just biting your tongue. Yeah, I think some people can deal with conflict a little bit better than others. Like I, I do pretty good in most situations of stress and conflict. But, um, you know, there's definitely gonna be some people that are a little less tolerable of differences. But I think um, for a long term partner, it's probably better that like, um, for my wife and I, we're both very, very pro-life. And I know you and I, the only disagreement that I think we've ever had on like the pro-life thing is that I would make exceptions for rape and incest or, you know, life's mother um, or the mother of the life of the mother. Apologies. Um but like my wife and I agree on that in that respect. And like, I think when it comes to something as fundamental as that, um, most people aren't really willing to bend in one position or the other. So the path of least resistance is probably going to be that you should find somebody that shares that, you know, that value in common with you. Um, you know, when it comes to like religion, like you said, I think it's very, very important because that's like very, very personal to somebody. Um, I'm agnostic. So, you know, my wife is religious, but like, that's not a big deal for us because like, you know, if she said, Hey, I want our kids to be, to grow up religious no fight for me. <laughs> I have no problem with that because I think um, religion in most people's lives is actually a net good thing. Um, I personally just don't prescribe or believe. Um, once again, I'm agnostic. I don't know. But like, once again, it, when it comes to other people, I see religion does a lot of good in a lot of other people's lives. So I'm perfectly okay with people who are religious. But, you know, once again, there are going to be people that don't feel that same way. Yeah, I, I agree. And then, you know, when it comes to the idea of like a long term partner or marriage, um, I, it's really important to figure out, you know, what, what you're willing to compromise on, and then what you're not willing to compromise on the biggest right. barometer you can give is, are you would you be able to sleep at night knowing this about someone and accepting mm -hmm. it? And if you can't, that's a that is your gut telling you that this is something that's important to you. You're not willing to compromise it. And it's perfectly okay to recognize that. So either you have a conversation with it or you be done with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a lot of the dialogue now is like trying to bend people's innate wills almost like um, when I see people complaining about the way that men prefer, you know, women, let's say that haven't been necessarily with a lot of guys or have you know, huge sexual past, they want to kind of like experiment and like mentally explain it away. But it's like, okay, well, I'm not saying that like, you can't have a past. I'm not saying that you're a bad person, but you just should understand. And same with guys and whatever issues that women may take with men. Um, you should realize that in everything you do, there's going to be trade-offs in your life where, you know, if you want to enjoy your early twenties as a woman, see lots of guys, then okay, well, it may come off as a trade-off later that a guy may not value as much later on. And if you're a guy, you know, some women may hold that same opinion and you have to understand that once again, trade-offs, <laughs> there, there are no, you know, there, there's no perfect world here. You're gonna to have to accept some consequences. And, you know, for some people that may be a sacrifice that they, that they're willing to make, but um, you know, for like, like we've been kind of dancing around the wagon here. Um, you know, if, if these are people's core values, then you can't really expect somebody else to give up their core values to accept you. You know, you may just need to kind of move on and say, okay, well, sucks for me, but you know, I, I made my bed.
Yeah, I agree. And, you know, when it comes to that topic in particular, it's perfectly okay to not have a stance. So I'm a huge believer in that what's in the past is in the past. I'm mm -hmm. extremely, I'm personally extremely territorial. So the less that I know about someone's past, the better and vice versa. Um, Cause like, I'm just that type of person. I would get jealous, like, you know, like how I was at my husband's like prom date or whatever. Right. Like I just, those are, there are just on the contrary what people think there are some things in life that you can go on living, not knowing. So mm -hmm. That, that's an option too. You don't have to, like, everyone's like, oh, you need to know everything about this is that. You have your whole lives to learn everything about this person. You're not going to, uh, mm -hmm. you're not going to learn every single detail about that person's life before you get married. If you were, if, if that was the case, you would never get married. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's definitely a good point as well. Um, so kind of shifting from there, the latest, and I think it was yesterday, they confirmed that uh, Matt Gates had removed Kevin McCarthy from the house. Um I have become a huge admirer of uh, Matt Gates over the last couple, um, I would say like the last year, um, all his efforts in regards to like doing, putting forth bills to end some of the wars or end different, um, you know, aid to Ukraine, a lot of that stuff. Um, I, I don't like his stances on China, but um, pretty much everywhere else, I, I would say he's been nothing short of heroic and I, I've grown to really, really like him. My favorite congressman is still Thomas Massey, but uh, Matt Gates is definitely climbing up there as well. And uh, Kevin McCarthy, it's kind of notable to see um, Republicans actually kind of wielding power in a way that's saying like, hey, if you're not holding up your end of the bargain and if you're going to cave on what you know our base is demanding, then we will remove you. Now, the other side of this is that like, OK, well, <laughs> if we apply like a foreign policy lens to this and we think about the way that U.S. goes over to other countries and let's say – um, you know, topples dictators and installs our own. Sometimes when you do things like that, there are secondhand consequences that don't play out, actually end up worse for that given area. So um, I know I kind of threw a lot out there at you, but kind of what are your thoughts on that whole situation there? Yeah, so I need to put my analytical hap cap on right now because sure. we're San Diego Young Republicans and California Young Republican Federation. We do not have a stance on this at all. So I'm speaking as an individual and just a huge disclaimer. Um, so that being said, I think it's perfectly okay, you know, for to be able to have a stance that's extremely nuanced. I want, I hope to normalize that because I think that one can agree and disagree on some aspects and also like and dislike aspects of both people involved in the situation. So mm -hmm. for example, there are things about both Matt Gates and Kevin McCarthy that I like. There are also things about Matt Gates and Kevin McCarthy that I prefer not. And um, I think it's okay for someone to recognize that. I don't like the idea of, of like, you know, you're part of this being the Republican Party or not. Like, I think it's okay to look at our elected officials as individuals and be able to look at them openly and say, I appreciate their stance on this. And I also disagree with them on this stance, similar to how, you know, people like always give, like, they always give people a hard time about former President Donald Trump. It's like, someone could be a Trump supporter and also be able to criticize things that doesn't mean but that doesn't make them, you know, cultists either. So I look at the situation with the speakership the exact same way. Um, they're, they're like, the thing that people, I guess people fail to realize or forget to realize is that McCarthy, and I, I basically, I was provided some old clips of Matt Gates on a Tim 
pool podcasts to kind of yeah. re refresh myself on this. Um, but to McCarthy's credit, if I remember correctly, I mean, there was something that Congress agreed upon, McCarthy agreed upon, that at any point that the speaker doesn't uphold in the bargain, then the Congress can vote for him out. And so, you know, what Matt, like one could argue Matt Gates did have a line, but also at the same time, McCarthy agreed to that. Um, so one could argue that he wasn't keeping like his congregation happy. And so Congress was, you know, upholding that and holding him to a standard that he agreed to be put upon. And for whatever reason, whether like as peasants of us, whether we believe that he held up to that standard is up to debate. But in D.C., those politicians felt otherwise. So that's one stance. On another hand, um, you know, all personalities aside, people can say Matt Gates is, you know, this, this and that, firebrand, unproductive. I don't really care about getting into like all the weeds of that, whether McCarthy is too moderate or whatever. I don't care about the political side necessarily of it. On another hand, I perhaps do worry from like the average spectator, someone that isn't in the political bubble like you and myself, how it does look on the PR side. Like, for example, someone mm -hmm. came up to me who, you know, is no prior preference, doesn't really care about politics, only cares about like what the headlines are, right? Like, just doesn't care too much. Mm -hmm. They had messaged me like, oh, like the Republicans are going cray cray. So on that aspect, I can't agree upon because like, again, like for myself, I'm someone that eats, breathes and drinks politics. And so, you know, someone who's a huge public figure in Republican politics that can put me in a very uncomfortable situation because like i'm always forced to defend now mind you i'm the type of person where i'm willing to just like you know be like just rolled off because just like i don't feel obligated to take a stance or i don't feel obligated to like defend everything and everyone and people think they can try to one up you like oh like so you're a republican like that i'm like no no i'm an individual i can agree and disagree on certain things um, so on that hand, I could also understand that perspective, too, because it makes the Republican Party look bad because we don't have our act together. However, if I have to play devil advocate on that point, on another hand, like, do the Democrats have their stuff together, too? I mean, let's not <laughs> act like I mean, let's not act like the Democrats are always lockstep and toe. They like there's been moments in history, too, where they like on full display looked really bad, too. So. You know, it's it's whatever you make it out to be. Like I said, I don't appreciate us putting people in boxes, whether you're a Gates supporter, whether you're a McCarthy supporter. I think it's perfectly okay to look at the scenario and be able to acknowledge that perhaps maybe McCarthy didn't uphold his end of the bargain on certain things. However, one could also argue that he exceeded expectations in a lot of ways too. You know, I think people didn't expect too much, but I think he delivered on a lot of things too. Um, I think he was extremely effective in a lot of ways. And there were a lot of, he had a real, a lot of good like moments where he like stood up for against the press. Um, so you gotta give the man credit. Um, you know, if he's a quote unquote moderator, I know I, there were a lot of moments where I didn't think so. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, similar to Matt Gates, one could say he's a distraction, like, you know, he's just too parson, firebrand, whatever, but he, he, he's not the only one, like, obviously there were seven other Republicans that felt the same way. So are we going to say, are we pointing fingers at that too? And I think another thing people failed to point out to you, Nancy Mace was probably the biggest surprise vote out of that too. So I think people need to take a step back 
um, and, you know, just kind of analyze the scenario for what it is, is that it's extremely nuanced and you are not obligated to take a stance in this and to be able to look at all angles. More importantly, from a mental health standpoint, this is going to be a marathon. So things are always developing. It's like, for example, today, uh, Stephen Scalise and then also Jim Jordan, they're running against for speaker. We could wake up tomorrow. There's going to be there might be more people running for it or one of those people might drop out. So this is going to be a marathon until Wednesday, whenever this happens. And I bet you there's going to be more news after that. So just hold on and, you know, buckle up. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's some really, really interesting points. And this is kind of the thing that I need to impart upon people whenever they kind of think about the Trump indictments. Um, I think there's a lot of moderates out there that I think you and I both kind of realize is that like, they're like, just quit with the fucking clown show. Like we really don't care about this. Or some people are going to say like, I, I just like, I want nothing to do with this. Just whatever gets us back to normal, please get us there. Like people really don't care about the dog and pony show. Um, you know, if you're making an example out of them, then it's, you're just, it's not having the effect that they're wanting it to have because clearly, you know, Trump keeps rising in the polls and people, you know, feel more inclined to like him. I mean, I was watching his speech and I'm not a big Trump guy at all, but I'm like, so some of his cracks, they're great. He's a great speaker and, you know, he's able to just kind of struggle this stuff off and keep rolling with the punches. So of course people are going to like him when all you're doing is trying to tear him down and they feel like they got screwed by, you know, this government for the last couple of years. So the guy that's saying, Hey, I don't like these people either. Of course they like. Him. Yeah. And I think, and I, I really dislike, you know, a lot of, I am very, I dislike, and I'm also, I've always been publicly extremely critical of like a lot of messaging and branding for Republicans. Um, the biggest thing is speaking in this, in the age of like the past, like, oh, let's go back to the Ronald Reagan years. And that's fine if you're a Ronald Reagan supporter. I'm just, I'm just kind of using that as a verbiage because that's what a lot of people use. Like, oh, we need to go back to like this time of like the age of like his policies, whatever. Yeah. Um, and my whole thing is like, listen, you know, you, you're speaking about the good old days. There's a lot of people out there where there was never a good old days. So what are you talking right. about? <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's kind of like what I like about Vivek when um, on his campaign trail. And he got roasted for this in the debates um, for saying that he didn't want to ban TikTok. And, and like you would think that the other Republicans would have like at least a little bit of their finger on the pulse. Like this is what a lot of young people use. And I, I think, um, I know you and I have shot some messages back and forth about this, but like, I don't use TikTok. I don't care. And I don't care if people use it. Um, the truth is the CCP isn't like mining all your data. It's they're all stored on us servers. So if Republicans want to win over younger voters, why don't you just leave that issue alone? Like if you read on it, you'll find out, Oh, it's actually not that bad. Like, yeah, I don't think it's good for kids to be terminally online and viewing TikTok videos all day. But like, I'm sorry, we're in the age of technology. People are going to do what they're going to do. You're not going to stop them from doing this. But like, if you want to lose perpetually, then go ahead and say that people under 16 will be illegally or that they'll it will be illegal for them to use social media. You will lose the next couple generations because people feel like this is their right to do that. And we can have the debate all day about whether or not it's good for kids and you know people to be on social media all the time. I, I don't think it is, but like you you can't expect to take stuff away from people and to still earn their trust and vote when you know the other people are campaigning for you to have that right 
I agree with you 100%. I mean, it's just the day and age that we live in. I can't even begin to tell you like how how like lost I'd be without my life without my phone. Like it's not to say like I'm an addict, although one could say I am I'm always on my phone, but for work and politics. But at the same time, like, especially if you have a smartphone, like how much work I've got, I've been able to do and just be, the ability to be able to look up my emails, be able to text back and forth, be able to have phone calls, how like in politics, a lot of friendships are developed online. And so I yeah. think about all the friendships that I wouldn't have had without social media. Um, you and me would not have connected if it wasn't for social media. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And so I'm just, and I, so I'm just not a huge believer in harpooning that there's definitely a very sound argument to limit screen time because it's good. It, it is not good for your mental health to always be Absolutely. plugged in. Um, it could, it could, it could, it could, um, it could delve you into like a lot of self-esteem and self-image and, you know, your self-concept, you could get depressed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Um, and just in general, it's just, you should be, you shouldn't be like on your phone, like while you're going to bed, those are good sound arguments. I could, and there's definitely a sound argument for screen time for children Absolutely. and, you know, in some ways it could lead to suicide if you are a teenager. So I don't think anyone, I think any sound normal person isn't for that, but what I don't, what I'm very critical of Republicans on the TikTok issue is that the reality is the youth vote really performed well in 2020. And so I just think, you know, one way to captivate the youth is being able to utilize the platforms that we have. Mm -hmm. And I think another thing to keep in mind is like, yeah, TikTok is very popular, but there is always another platform. And so I think it's always important to make sure that you're flexible and whatever happens. But in my opinion, like I don't view tick, I, I have a very unpopular opinion among Republicans. Um, I, I have TikTok and I use TikTok for content creation. And um, and I think Republicans should use it more. All these big like political organizations on the left, they use it and they've been able to captivate the use so the Republicans could do the same. I don't view it as like a threat of national security threat, whatever things. Um, I've always been very upfront that international affairs has never been my forte, but I've never really felt like you know, insecure in that regard. I think for me, because I use my phone all the time. And so if I have to spend time like analyzing and thinking about everything so deeply about that, I would lose my mind. And more importantly, I would not get anything done on my phone. Mm -hmm. So that's just me personally. And I would argue that's how most people are. Okay, like, oh, if the issue is like, you know, people tracking you, well, then you should be pull a Ron Swanson and just throw your PC in the garbage. <laughs>
Yeah, exactly. And it's so funny because like all the uh, supposed data that the CCP could potentially get from your phone, you already give to the U.S. government willingly. And the Israeli government also has that information as well. Um, and, you know, China's 7,000 miles away. <laughs> the, the U.S. government is right here. If they want that information, they will get it. All right. <laughs> the U.S. government is a way bigger threat than the Chinese government ever could be to the average U.S. citizen. Um, yeah. So did you get to go to uh, Trump's speech? He was uh, speaking out in California over the weekend, or am I mistaken? He did. So there were four presidential candidates that were at the California Republican Party convention. However, um, it costs money to see them speak. I don't blame them. It's for can it's for fundraising, whatnot. And obviously, like, it's a big deal to see these people in an in environment like this. So, yeah. you know, no shade there. Um, but I have never personally paid for any of those dinners or different things like at conventions. So I was not interested in changing that tradition of mine. Uh, sure. But Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, also Tim Scott and uh, Vivek were all there. So it was a very interesting convention to see the least to have four presidential candidates vying for the support of California Republicans. Mm -hmm. Okay, so did you get to like see all of them, though, other than that? Were they just like kind of at the convention and then you had to pay to go see them speak? Or kind of what was yeah. like, the situation yeah. with that? Yeah, the second thing you said. Um, okay. So it wasn't like a public like meet and greet. It's like it was a very, you know, um, exclusive dinner where if you pay, you know, the amount that they publicize, then you would be able to get a photo and like be able to hear him speak in like a closed conference room. Um, and then in particular for Donald Trump, they had like a, the most speakers or I'm sorry, the most uh, security. So it was very, you know, tight. So it's not like one of those things where you could be like, oh, sneak me in or, you know, someone. It was very like, you know, they it was very locked and loaded. Mm, gotcha. OK. Um, so I guess it would be a good pivot over to the debates. Um, I'm guessing you watch the uh, second debates. Yes. Okay, yeah, I watched it the other night, and uh, I got to say, this one was a little bit more unorganized than the first debate. Uh, the first debate was pretty clean, and yeah, people kind of like walked over each other a little bit, but uh, this one, there's a lot more of that. Um, it, it seemed like people like it just wasn't really well organized. Vic didn't really get a lot of time to speak. Um, and then there was a certain part in the middle there where I think just everybody kind of got into a big old mess, but um, really, I thought, um, a lot of the candidates seemed like a little bit more personable this time. So like uh, one that comes to mind, Mike Pence seemed a lot more like he cracked a few jokes. And despite the fact like he's not very funny, <laughs> um, the, the jokes at least like seemed to play decently with the crowd. Of course, the Chris Christie, the Donald Duck uh, swing as cringy as it was. It was kind of funny. Um, and, and, you know, it's at least a decent enough joke that he ran with it. And Tim Scott, um, People dunk on Tim Scott, but I think he he's actually a very, very likable person. Um, Vivek, you know, he I think he has a lot of charisma and I think he's a very likable person as well. Uh, Doug Burgum got to speak a little bit more. And I kind of like his ideas when it comes to like the uh, free market kind of stuff and how he wants, you know, he's very, very well read in like the Constitution of business. And then um, Nikki Haley, I think I, I like how she goes about the debt and how she wants to kind of like she has an image for the future of the country, right? Or for like the future generations when she brings up like, Hey, this, all this money that we're spending, we're putting on the future generations. Do I think she actually cares about that issue all that much? Probably not, but it is at least nice to hear people say like, Hey, we need to address this because this is on the backs of people like you and I and our future children. 
I agree. I have very similar sentiments. The second debate did not live up to my expectations personally. Um, it was very messy. I remember just like, maybe, I don't know if it's just because like it was the first one. So it always like sets the bar. But it was, yeah. I thought the first debate was very spicy. Um, a lot of funny like one liners that you could live tweet at. It was just, it was funny. It was, and like I, like I shared in the last podcast, I had a lot of fun with my San Diego Republicans. I also, we also hosted a, a debate watch party for this one too. So I was sitting through with all of my young Republicans and my goodness gracious, like it was, I was on my phone all the time, but not like, cause like I was on Twitter or like just scrolling, but just cause like I was genuinely like a little bored mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was just like talking around, like it was just not entertaining for me. Um, I, I mean, there were obviously some funny good moments, so it just it wasn't like all around bad, but you know, it also wasn't that great either. And that to me is a little bit disappointing to say the least. Yeah. So um kind of when it comes to the candidates there, I, I think uh it, it's kind of sad that um we covered this on the last podcast, but like DeSantis has really sunk since his campaign started. And it, it's always been a surprise to me because like he had, he checked all the boxes of being like a good Republican candidate. And, um, you know, now just watching him like this dude is like stiff as a cardboard box up there. Like he doesn't have that charisma or, you know, is, is the younger kids saying now, and I can't believe I'm saying that, but like the Riz, which I hate that term, but he really doesn't have that, you know, like Trump is able to kind of do like, you know, these candid speeches and be funny. And, you know, I don't think he's reading any facts or anything like that, but the people love it. And he's just funny. Like DeSantis doesn't have that same kind of like fluidity about him you know yeah so i posted on social media but uh ron DeSantis was in san diego and like i said normally to see these kinds of things you have to pay money like a fundraiser um he did a free meet and greet at like the vfw in coronado and so i got invited and i was able to bring along a few young Republicans of mine. And I know they appreciate that. We were like front row and center. So so much fun. Um, yeah. I will say one of, I agree with like similar opinions. The one moment though, where he was, where he got humanized for me was he, <laughs> so it was a VFW, right? So obviously there's like a bar. So he like yeah. started like pouring beers and like he started bartending for all these people. And it was mm -hmm. so fun to witness this um like literally like if you run for office you people should follow that same campaign advice just serve beers like be a bartender and at the end of it he covered everyone's tab so oh, wow. i yeah so i was just like dang dude that was like the one moment for me where he was humanized but outside mm -hmm. of that i could agree too but so i guess i'm a little bit biased because i have that super cool funny memory mm -hmm. um but like if I didn't have that memory and I just saw the debate, I think my opinion would be a little bit different, right? So, because I'm extremely privileged in that regard, right? Like, not everyone, you know, has the network to be able to get invited, you know, to a free meet and greet for a, arguably one of the better Republican governors in the country and also yeah. someone running for the highest office in the nation, which is president. Um but I've also shared similar criticisms and, you know, positive things about DeSantis. So, but yeah, since I had that experience, it was just, it's something that always sticks out. I think it's hilarious. And that was one of the moments where he was humanized for me. 
But if I didn't have that, I would have a similar opinion to you too. Um, I had very high expectations for DeSantis' campaign. I genuinely thought for a while that the primary is going to be between him and Trump. And even like whether you are a supporter or not, I honestly think even like the Trump haters have known for a while that Trump will likely be the nominee and it probably won't even be close. I mean, even if you look up polls and just like how things are, I think people, even if they want to deny it, I think they know that like Trump will likely be the Republican nominee. Yeah, I um, I honestly thought that DeSantis kind of would have walked all over Trump because Trump has a lot of baggage. But um, I think the indictments have had the opposite effect that they intended. Um, now, kind of going back to DeSantis on that whole meet and greet thing, that's that's really funny. You would think that he would campaign on something like that a little bit more because that's kind of like the large criticism of him is that like he's not relatable in this regards. But um, you know, something like that gives me a lot more respect for him and i remember uh, the first time i had you on the show i think you were even uh, you were very skeptical of desantis and you didn't seem to be as you know you didn't seem to be as impressed by him but it seemed i could tell even by the way you just talked about him there that your opinion has changed quite a bit so it, it is really admirable to, to think about you know somebody that's once again running for the highest office in the land just coming down and you know pouring drinks for the average person and then covering their tab like that really says something about somebody um the one thing that kind of comes to mind is that um i remember uh, my wife a friend of mine we all went to go see disturbed and their singer um helped a lady walk on and off stage who we brought on stage and like you know shared a little story and just like little moments like that you catch people doing and you think this person like th they're the real deal <laughs> like this is a legitimately good person when they're doing stuff like that yeah and i so that's why like it's really fun to see when donald trump like does like those moments right where they're real where they don't have to do it but like they're like yeah. for the people right like so when he straight up showed up to like a tailgate party and went to like a frat house frat party mm. that was really funny and then like when he bought like everyone like mcdonald when he goes to mcdonald's and like gets pizza for everyone like mm. people think like oh that's for show he doesn't mean a lot or like when you know the I'm drawing a blank, but like the Palestine thing, what like what was oh going yeah, on going to Iowa McDonald's, like handing out "Make America Great Again" hats yeah, like, like yeah. by like bringing everyone like Trump branded water that was clear mm. and that was clean, um, like just things like that. Like some people like oh like they're they are um, they're they're doing too much. Like no, like those are people remember those things. I don't care how cheesy or how much you think that they're fake. Like those are yeah. small things that like people will remember and I think are super cool. Yeah. And to your point, um, a friend of mine, Brandon, who's been on the show a couple of times, he's a, uh, a city councilman, I think in Indiana, really, really good dude. Um, and he keeps saying on Twitter, all I want Trump to do is go to McDonald's hand out MAGA hats. That's all I want him to keep doing for the rest of his campaign. And he's like, and as far as DeSantis is concerned, I want him to continue, you know, crushing the left like he's done. Um, uh, so it really didn't hit for me until you kind of mentioned that story there. But yeah, to think that, uh, you know, for a lot of people that makes a difference for them. Um, I was listening to another interview of uh, Zach Wilde, who's the guitar player for Pantera, at least like the touring band now. And uh, they were bringing up how like certain bands use like backing tracks live. And, you know, me, somebody who's, you know, a musician and kind of, you know, can pick this stuff out. 
I'll hear that and I'll think, okay, well, that's kind of lame. But though, like all the people that like don't really care or is analytical, they saw it a great time at, you know, whatever concert they went and saw where there were backing tracks. They're not going to remember the fact that there was an MP3 playing behind the band they're watching. They're going to remember, you know, the moments that they, you know, had eye contact with the singer or, you know, really enjoyed singing along in a song or something like that. And I think that applies here as well as like people don't remember that like, oh, well, Trump is just pandering to his base. Um, they remember the fact that he went to a McDonald's where the workers made seven twenty five an hour and he handed out, um, you know, stuff that meant a lot to his supporters who are all middle class people. Yeah, I agree. Mm. So um, some other uh, notable things were during Trump's speech. Uh, I, I found it hilarious that he he seemed to have a little bit more of a potty mouth in that most recent speech where um, I, I did post a clip on Twitter. Um, let me pull it up here. And I said it was my favorite part because it was it was really, really funny. Let's see here. Make sure that gets up. Let's indict the motherfucker. Let's indict it's just those kind of moments <laughs> that I, I'm like, okay, I get it. <laughs> like, how can you yeah. not like stop there swearing like that? Like, because we all do that, you know, a regular day to day job, horrible potty mouths and the whole yeah. uh, grabbing by the, you know, what back in the day, like some people were disgusted by that. I'm like, you mean the dudes in my shop or stuff than that on a daily basis? Like, you guys only want to know what we say. I know. I I am I am generally not the type of person where I don't quite understand that phenomenon. I was someone like who caught the political bug in the 2016 election in part because I witnessed how absolutely insane people went over this man. Mm-hmm. I thought it was the weirdest and fascinating, interesting thing I've ever seen, just how triggered genuinely people got. Like mm-hmm. the that whole like, you know, comment and about women i'm just like guys you act like you have never said that yourself or heard that yourself but because this guy is running for president and because somehow that conversation got leaked now you want to clutch your pearls you really need to stop there like just stop <laughs> yeah I, I and i bet if another and i bet if another republican said that too we wouldn't care too much it was just trump and that's kind of why you know a lot of people take these kinds of things personally and why maybe some people view him as a meat as a martyr, which mm-hmm. I would argue you shouldn't, but like, it's just little things like that. And it adds up, especially again, this has been ongoing for now. Um, oh my gosh. Now, like s- almost eight years. So it's just, it's been a long time for people to like witness all of this. Like, of course you get yeah. tired of it. Yeah. And kind of to your point there, I, I think this is like, I don't know what exactly to make. And I think maybe you would have a better like grip on this, but yeah, I think the people who support Trump, he has a solid, um, as Phil Abonte said, he has a solid bottom as in like, there are, there's an undying base that will not waver for him um, where he's going to run into troubles. Maybe the moderates and the people who are in the Republican party and who like him, but are like, eh, I'm a little shaky. Like a lot of this stuff is just more headache than I'm willing to deal with. Um, I think most politically involved people who hate the government like us are going to look at this and say like, yeah, he's our guy because he hates them too. And they hate him. So, you know, the enemy of my enemy here. Um, 
now the people who are a little bit less analytical are just going to look at this and be like, can we just get the fuck over this already? Like, I'm so sick of just everything being about Trump where, you know, in my mind, I look at this and I, you know, people say Trump derangement syndrome, but I think it's on both sides where you have one group of people who everything he does is wrong. And you have one group of people who everything he does is right. He has this weird effect on people. And I think it's just a larger consequence of like the culture and the government that we have today is that people just feel so, you know, invested in their political side that like everything rests on this one person. So, you know, um, you know, Trump is my guy. So therefore everything he does is right. And then once again, Trump is not my guy. So everything he does is wrong. Um, you can have a nuanced view where you kind of recognize, you know, the faults, the goods, the bads, the uglies, whatever. Yeah, I agree. And that's my, been my mentality from the very beginning and doesn't even have to be Donald Trump. It could be any candidate or any political figure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's it's kind of sad to see people just lose their minds over one person. It's like at the end of the day, let's say Trump does get elected again or Biden gets elected again, then your life is still – you know, the vast majority of the things that go on in your life are your responsibility and it's going to be strictly on you to make a positive change for your life. Like there's no president that's going to come down and save you. And I see this mentality a lot on the right where people say like, oh, if Trump doesn't win, then this country's gone. Like you really have that little faith in like your neighbors, your family and the people that matter to you that you think that Trump is your last hope. Like, I, I cannot get down with that kind of mindset where you think that, like, you're the fate of this country rests on one person. And I know, like, the, the leftist thing, the leftist equivalent to this would be like, well, the country's going to be destroyed if Trump or, you know, if Trump gets back in. Like, you have that little faith in the people that you care about that you think that the president is going to just ruin this all. Once again, can't get down with it. I, I love the people that I'm involved with and I love the people that I work with and that, you know, I have close relationships with that you know, whoever gets in the White House, I'll be okay. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think um, there's something I was going to say. <laughs> I My main point is no one's coming to save you. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, there's something else I was going to say. Um, oh, so I tweeted this. So I'm a huge, like, I have the opinion of, like, if I tweet it, I'll say it out loud, too. I cannot stand it when people are like, because they're trying to illustrate like how the country's in danger and like all these other things. They're trying to talk all this smack about how this is the most important election of your lifetime. Like, I'm just like, yeah, we say that every four to two years. Like, who cares, right? Mm -hmm. I cannot stand it when people are like, we are at war. I'm like, guys, we there is no war right now. Stop it with that nonsense. Like, I don't appreciate people, like, using that verbiage. Like, we're at war and, like, all these other things. Just, like, guys, no. Just stop it. Okay? Just mm. stop it. I can, I do not, I don't appreciate the sense, the sensationalism when it comes to, like, how bad things are in the country. Like, mm. like I just, I can't stand it. So, that was just my random rant, but. No, no, no. That's okay. Um, I completely agree. And I put out a tweet the other day, and a lot of people seem to like it. I said, there's no civil war while you still have Dairy Queen blizzards. Um, free 4k streaming porn and you could have food delivered to your house and you're you know you, you could still stay fat and not hungry um when that changes then talk to me about a civil war but while everybody be sedated and still be comfortable 
th- there's no fucking civil war. I'm sorry. We're not <laughs> at war while everybody can still drive their cars to McDonald's, to Starbucks, and then go home and Netflix and chill. And then, you know, if you get really hungry, you can get Uber Eats. And then you can go, you know, please yourself or sedate yourself with marijuana, porn, or insert whatever here. There is no civil war while that's still the reality. People are too comfortable. They're way too comfy. Yeah, that's a good point. You're right. Until the until the until you can't do the things that you can't do, there is no war, and we are not at civil war. It's fine. I promise you, everything is fine. Just mm-hmm. get over it. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, like, if you go to to the grocery store or to like any you know general store, whatever, um, you're going to be around people that completely you know disagree with you on everything in fact it was funny i was picking up barbecue for mission barbecue um about a week or two ago and uh there was a guy who i think was actually like pro-union and i'm you know pretty big anti-union and i'm you know i'm an automotive technician so like this united auto worker strike actually is directly affecting me like the fact that like the shop that i work for we cannot get parts right now because gm's on strike um the guy said oh well you know i think it's unfair the ceos and all them are making all that money and like he was coming at it from more like the Democrat position, which I'm, I'm sympathetic to because like, hey, these are blue collar working class people that just want a little bit more money and a little bit more for what they're doing. Um, now, the problem with that is that they're demanding way too much. And they also aren't the same people who, you know, made the business and took all the risk to potentially fail. But because they took that risk, they, you know, got disproportionate amount of wealth. I'm OK with that. But at the same time, you know, you got to treat the people that are working for you and continue to maintain your wealth. I think you kind of have an obligation, not like a legal obligation, but like a almost moral obligation to say like, hey, I'm going to treat these guys well enough that they don't feel the need to strike um this is my opinion but uh you know the guy came at it that way i'm like yeah i think it's wrong that you know this guy's taking all the money and not sharing it with everybody else like in my opinion i think he should but at the same time the workers there have an unreasonable plight of saying like i want to get paid 40 hours a week while only working 32 like that's unreasonable (laughs) like we we can compromise here somewhere along the way of like hey Please share with the rest of the people who maintain your wealth and we'll still work 40 hours a week, but we just want a little bit more, you know, a little bit more in our checks every day. Yeah. And I know that uh, Governor Gavin Newsom recently signed into law where like if you work for fast food, you make $20 an hour. What's the point of getting a college degree anymore? Like, right. that's it's what a, sanity. That makes a, yeah, there's that. Like, it's just, wow. Like I, and then it's funny how people complain how much things are more expensive. And it's like, how could you not? I mean, even just like gas, it costs like I drive a Honda Civic and now costs me like anywhere from like 65 to $75 just to fill up my car now because gas is almost yeah. like more than six and almost $7 now. So yeah. it's, it's well, really it, insane. Right. And that's what's important to people is like the price of the stuff that they use every day. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, when it comes to the foreign policy stuff, people don't want to hear that we're sending another, you know, however many billion dollars to Ukraine. And I think that's where Trump got it right is that he said not another penny. Now I think his plan is absolutely ridiculous when he says, Hey, we'll give more, you know, Ukraine more than they've ever gotten, but he knows what plays to his base. And he knows that people don't want to see this anymore. Um, 
you know, people missed the time when they felt like they could, you know, go to the store and not get egg whites, cereal, eggs, and a gallon of milk, and it cost them $70. Like, I, I'm sure people do it all the time on Twitter, but I was kind of tempted to do it pretty much every single time I go to the grocery store anymore. I'm like, I got like two bags of groceries, and it's like $80. Like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, Bidenomics is a real thing. <laughs> It is, but he's still running with it. That's that's the funniest part. That uh, you know, hey, it's this the Bidenomics at work, but like I don't know, man, (laughs) it ain't it ain't doing it for me. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Cynthia, this is absolutely fantastic conversation. Um, I I really appreciate you uh, coming on and uh, discussing all this stuff with me. I love being able to get your insight because you're obviously on the way other side of the country in a completely different area where I've never been to. So I think you got your finger on the pulse. And plus, you also get to kind of hang out in the, uh, you know, echelons of the Republican Party. So you have a unique insight in that regards. Uh, Feel free to go ahead. uh, Tell everybody what you're up to and where they can find you and support what you're doing. Yeah, so you can find me on all social media. My uh, username and my name is pretty e- is uh, not common, but it's easy to find. So it's Cynthia Cowie. So it's C Y N T H I A. Last name is Cowie, K A U I. Um, I am the president and chairwoman of San Diego Young Republicans. So you could find us all on social media. And we actually recently launched a website, and we have a new brand new logo that's up to speed that's cutting edge 21st century branding and messaging so you can find us at san diego young republicans.org um, and if you are interested in looking at you know statewide affairs for young republicans i'm the new appointed press secretary for california young republican federation so you could check us out as well on social media and our website but thank you kyle for having me on of course always so uh yeah um Everybody, thank you so much for listening and hanging out. Um, Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. We will definitely be doing more like these in the near future. And until next time, everybody, take care. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.